everybody welcome to hog planet this is sam here i'm doing a little intro for our upcoming episode which is a re-release of two pre segments from previous episodes we did um this is in anticipation of the commentary track which i've recorded and will be coming out soon and that commentary track will be for hannah gadsby's newest comedy special douglas so in anticipation of that, we're re-releasing segments we did back in episode 30 and episode 39. Uh, in those episodes, respectively, we discussed Nanette with Ray Chi. Uh, and then in, the, in episode 39, we discussed uh, Hannah Gadsby's romantic partner, Jill Soloway's book, She Wants It, Desire, Power, and Toppling the Patriarchy. Um, and I will say that we, we joined in with the criticism that these specials or, you know, Hannah Gadsby's special and then Jill Soloway's book received. And I just wanted to preface this by saying that none of the critique is meant to minimize the trauma that Gadsby recounts in Nanette, uh, nor are they meant to diminish the brutality of homophobia. But we want to just put this in here to acknowledge that these are sensitive and serious topics. Uh, we do not want to dismiss them flippantly. So in the, our critiques, we ended up zeroing in on their relation to comedy and as well as the discourse around the two works. So without further ado, please enjoy this clip from episode 30, where we discussed Nanette with Rachi. <laughs> Let's bring in our guest this episode to discuss a thing I didn't even know we were going to be talking about today. This is, and let's play the trailer. This is Nanette, Hannah Gadsby, an Australian comedian. Uh, this is a thing on Netflix that everyone is talking about. I don't feel comfortable in a small town. I get a bit tense, mainly because I'm in this situation. And in a small town, that's all right from a distance. People are like, oh, good bloke. I love being mistaken for a man. I, I wouldn't want to be a straight white man. Not if you paid me. Although the pay would be substantially better. <laughs> I do think I have to quit comedy, though. And it's probably not the forum to make such an announcement, is it? <laughs> I have built a career out of self-deprecating humour and I simply will not do that anymore, not to myself or anybody who identifies with me. Do you understand what self-deprecation means? It's not humility, it's humiliation. All right. We decided, like, right before we started recording that we were going to talk about Nanette, so... I watched maybe, I skipped around a bunch in it, and I watched maybe, like, half of it, all told. 
But I feel like I got the gist. Now, Sam and Rachie, you guys watched the whole thing. Yes, I, uh, I, I forced her to watch the whole thing. It was very trying. I asked it to stop several times, but Sam does not hashtag trust black women, so he overrode my objections and made me watch the entirety of Nanette. My favorite part was in which um, a white Australian woman tells me why Hillary Clinton deserves to be president after all. That was really, uh, I thought, pertinent and uh, quite timely. Right. Now, okay, let's, let's have a structured conversation about... Maybe we can even broaden our scope to talk about this like discourse around Nanette. Now, uh, one thing I've noticed is people saying how this is some sort of like groundbreaking evolution in, in comedy. When I think to me, and I think you guys too, it, it was just like a fucking Ted talk. Yeah. I think if anything, it's like a, a progression of her career moving from comedy and she does say she's like giving up comedy during the special to i guess be more serious she keeps she she comes to this conclusion that she says she's not trying to unite people with laughter or anger but she wants she does want people to connect so like you said i think it does sound like she's going to go just do a bunch of ted talks now Right, and its characterization as comedy is one of the biggest issues that I have with Nanette, um, which is not to say that Hannah Gadsby doesn't have important things to say, but they're not funny, so I don't understand how it could be comedy. But, guys, she talked about how her favorite sound is a teacup, yeah, it was really hard to understand the purpose of a lot of the stories. I don't know why it opened with her, like, making tea in her kitchen with her dog or whatever. I hated that so much. I hate... <laughs> yeah. Comedy special intros suck, but that was particularly bad. Like, were we supposed to think she went directly for making tea in her kitchen, and then she walks out into her living room, which is the Sydney Opera House, because that <laughs> was my understanding, is she just lives at the Sydney Opera House then. And... Why do you think this has like blown up? Like why why is it resonated so much with like American audiences? Like do you think it's just people are dying for something that seems like the antithesis of Donald Trump? I guess my take on it is it's something that would be very therapeutic for someone who believes very fervently that Hillary Clinton Hillary Clinton is like a white political queen and that all of the world's problems could be solved by having more white women in power was the gist I was getting from it. Um, and I thought it was very interesting, like Sam mentioned, that she said she didn't want to unite people in laughter or anger. Um, so nothing that would like inspire action. She just wanted to tell her story, which of course is important but at the same time, it's kind of self-indulgent to tell people uh, that 
you're doing a comedy special that they can laugh at and enjoy when really you're just talking about yourself for 90 minutes. There's also like deception in the special in that she kind of leads out with comedy, then she drops bombs on you throughout right. it. And, it's, and I think... The, I found the timing so interesting because I... <coughs> Pretty Sorry. sure that some of the revelations that came towards the end, which of course were important and it's always empowering when a woman shares her experiences, but it felt like one of those things where if you criticized it without watching it all the way through, then people would be like, oh, well, you missed the most important part. Yeah, there was sort of, uh, this to me struck me as something that was designed to elicit a certain response in like yeah. a given kind of like centrist kind of person who believes in the discourse. Yeah. And I honestly only found out about it because I saw Jake Flores getting dragged on Twitter for criticizing it. And typically when something opens on Netflix to critical acclaim, I just ignore it. But I got interested in why people were so angry at Jake Flores. So right, and why <laughs> Jake's criticism specifically started, I think people got mad at him, uh, not only that he criticized Nanette, but he said that he had not seen Nanette. But that is <laughs> right. not a prerequisite to talking about something that everyone's talking about these days. I mean, and, and what he says about it was that uh, it seems like the logical end to the, the personal journey, academic, normie hijacking of comedy that's been happening for the last 10 years. I don't actually like comedy. I could have told you that, so that I don't actually like comedies in quotes. And I feel like that kind of accurately describes, like, what the special became. I mean, she, you know, the idea that you would release a special one-woman show, what have you, where the premise is she's quitting comedy, it, it just seems kind of like a lie. And she, the big reason that she's giving up comedy is that uh, she apparently does lots of self-deprecating comedy. She started to worry that her self-deprecating comedy is like a result of her self-loathing and some kind of, you know, an internalized hatred and homophobia from her upbringing in like what sounds like what rural Australia. Tasmania. Tasmania is like devils running around and shit. I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know what it's like to come from that background at all, but... I do disagree that, like, self-deprecation is always going to be, is self-loathing. I think that's, like, con maybe the that's way That's a she big insult to your people in particular. I was going to say Jews. The, the, the Jews, we need that shit. Yes. <laughs> that's, like, gotten us through a lot. Yeah, I think she's ignoring the fact that there's, like, power in self-deprecating humor. Like, if you are the one who is, like, finding humor in your identity, then... I don't know that it's some white woman's place to criticize it and say that it's you're doing that because you hate yourself. Maybe she does it because she hates herself, but it's very insulting to every kind of minority comedian out there because she's saying that if your identity is on the margins, your self-deprecating humor is actually self-humiliation. And it's like completely false. She said in an interview when this came out that if you're not doing comedy that fights for oppressed people or something, that you shouldn't be doing comedy. And no, if you're doing com like if you're doing comedy, you should try to be funny. 
Yeah, I think that's why, like, uh, people who aren't graduate students in history go into comedy. It's not because you know a lot about oppression. It's because you're funny. And I got kind of exhausted by the amount of art history references. Oh, my God. That was the worst part by far. Pretentious ass bullshit. Dude, because the whole time she's like, I learned uh, homophobia or, like, I learned gender norms and, uh, you know, hegemonic masculinity through art. And it was, and I'm like, but you fucking signed up to go to the university and study the art. I, I, I could have told you, look, I was a history major in college. The first fucking thing they teach you is that only rich white guys write history that survives through the years because they fucking structure society to value them over everyone else. And it's literally like she acts as if no one told her this. And I was like, I don't know what two bit university went you went to that has like no historical context or critical lens. But I don't know. In general, her art references were mostly ham handed. She was basically ended up describing like the bullshit that Jordan Peterson's always talking about. These like Jungian archetypes of like the virgin or the whore or whatever like the it's it was just very hokey yeah and I think it was one of her blind spots where it became very unrelatable for me as a person of color was her seeming outraged that Picasso like made art for white men and not for Australian white women because every other sort of marginalized person knows that art history is not centered around them. So the fact that it was shocking for her as someone who studied it on a college level in the 90s, it just makes me wonder, like, how clueless is she? Again, and that's combined with all the Hillary Clinton adoration, which was so unnecessary. I want to maybe tie this all together, all of our criticisms, by saying this does seem like the ultimate manifestation of comedy as like truth like comedy as like didactic yeah i I, this is something that i've been picking up on lately is that people on the left and the right feel like they need to agree with the politics of their comedian they are looking for this sick burn. I think it's maybe a result of the John Stewart eras where you, the birth of the, you know, John Stewart eviscerates ex Republican politician or ex cable news host and it gets, you know, 50,000 retweets or whatever. And I think this is a, this trend does tend away towards comedy because at least it's something like what we br- brought up about in that Vulture article you shared about comedian in cars getting coffee, they panned it because it didn't deal with the Trump era enough or it didn't deal with, like, the current political situation enough. And uh, and we, our take on it was obviously, like, you don't want Jerry Seinfeld's take on politics, number one. And number two, like, not all comedy has to come from this kind of place just because things are, you know, po- the co- politics are dire these yeah, days. Yeah, it's much smarter to stay away from politics if you don't have anything funny to say about it. And I want this message to go out directly to Trevor Noah. If you don't have anything funny to say about politics, don't talk about it. But that's his job, Rachie. That's his that's his livelihood. I guess you guys like don't have time for my anti-Trevor Noah rants, but Well, uh... I feel like that deserves its own uh, full segment rather than squeeze. That's that's Patreon content. Yeah, we'll yeah, do a bonus episode about uh, <laughs> the evils of Trevor Noah. But uh, I do have this Jerry Seinfeld quote that you were referencing specifically. He said 
funny has nothing to do with being true and honest, and I think that would make Hannah Gadsby spit tea all over her dog's face. But then, if if she's leaving comedy, then then like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, don't have these opinions about comedy if you're leaving comedy. Like, if you don't do it, like your your opinion becomes a lot less worthwhile. Or uh, I, I don't know. It, it was it just seems very attention seeking, very like yeah. careerist. I, I hate to characterize it in this way because she does tell a, a stories about her about her past trauma. But I'm wondering why you're telling. Like, what is this marketing of this kind of but just exposing past trauma yeah. should not like that doesn't make you funny and it doesn't make like you what you're talking about a stand up special you know it doesn't make it as imp- like as important as you i don't know i don't want to phrase this in a way that like minimizes it or anything right. but it doesn't mean you get to be like a pundit or something. Yeah, and I don't think we're criticizing it because she exposes her past traumas i think our criticism is that um the past traumas are the most compelling part of her special, which points to the fact that it's not necessarily stand up. Yeah. Or... If, if it's if it's you know storytelling, then she certainly achieved in telling a story. But like I think about her compared to someone like Moms Mabley or Wanda Sykes, who are uh, black women who are lesbians who are comic legends and haven't quit because they realize their comedy makes them hate themselves. It just, it, it's it's odd when she has, I guess, the privilege of being white in stand-up and... <laughs> but doesn't it not seem like an indictment of everyone else in comedy? It does, because she's implying that if you stick with it, it's because you are self-loathing of your minority identity. Like, if you poke fun at it, it's because you secretly hate that about yourself, which I think is very uh, patronizing. God, Nanette, more like nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, anything else uh, on Nanette, guys? I mean, I, I, I just I can't stand the conversation around this, which seems to, and, and it's again, it's Hillary Clinton esque. It's you yeah. can't criticize my yeah. my uh, like beautiful, you know, like you, you can't criticize her. You know. And I hate this, like, continue. it's tying into what we were talking about with civility earlier. There's this obsession with maintaining this, this civil discourse, and we don't need to make jokes or get angry. We just need to connect with one another. And, like, if it, it, as if, like, a homophobe would watch her stand-up special and be like, you know what, maybe I should be nicer to gay people and not, like, beat them up or, you know, uh, abuse them sexually or any of the stuff that she describes happening to her. I'm just, like, I, I don't... I feel like this is this might be just my own fucking read on it, but I think this is for like straight white women to watch and feel good about themselves that they can like appreciate that someone had this happen to them or something. Yeah. I don't know how much of it is looking for empathy or how much of it is looking for like a maybe validation. And this might be what she like wanted, but it felt like she was like, I just want to put my story out there. So if all you do is listen to it, then you can be like, I did my part for lesbians in Tasmania. Which yeah. is such bullshit! It, it is. Like, we, we talk about this all the time, that, like, your consumption is not activism. It's not. Like, you just watching Nanette and not feeling any sort of 
anger towards the situations that she was put in and the shame that she describes being indoctrinated in her and her telling you at the end that you shouldn't be angry about those things was very like confusing for me yeah, my because f- I, it, it made me angry sitting there and listening to her describe the things that had been done to her and said to her and like you know, projected onto her, it it made me angry. And I didn't understand, you know, and of course it's her experience. I'm not going to tell anyone how to deal with her trauma, but I think that one of the, you know, crucial emotions in actually involving yourself in activism and not just consuming it is getting angry about things. U.S. police wearing their gun all the time has an important police feel like they are never civilians, never normal people, that they're always cops and that they're never safe without a gun. I don't think that's the most productive frame of mind for civilians who are charged with keeping our cities safe and calm. Well, 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 that was quite a clip there, wasn't it? Now, of course, I'm sure you're wanting more, so we're here to deliver. Here is a clip from episode 39, where we discussed Jill Soloway's book, She Wants It, Desire, Power, and Toppling the Patriarchy. Enjoy. Well, from a recommendation to a, whatever the opposite of a recommendation is, Let's look at two great takedown articles from this week. Uh, The first one is about Jill Soloway, the creator of Transparent, and her, or sorry, there, I believe she uses non-binary pronouns. Um, Her book, their book. Their book. Wow, Dan. She Classic wants, white the book cis is, man. The book, white hetero. Have you checked your privilege yet? The book is called She Wants It. <laughs> it's not her. Uh, not them. It's a, a different woman. Not them. Not that person. And so this article by a really good trans writer, uh, Andrea Long Chu, really had me laughing very hard just at the degree to which it showed a completely uh, head up their own ass sort of person who has no conception of their own privilege and thinks that their own rising celebrity equates to some sort of like social justice victory. Yeah, it seems like they uh, apparently they goes by either she or they but she they prefer they so we can be polite and use they and they seem fairly removed at least by the manner of their wealth from the issues that i guess working class or more average or mainstream trans or non-binary people face so when the tv show transparent was 
criticized for some of its, I, I think, continued criticism of the casting of Jeffrey Tambor as a trans woman. Uh, never would have happened if the show were made now. But I think there's an interesting reaction here that Jill Soloway takes by taking their staff on a glamping writer's retreat where they went to El Capitan and had a shaman come and did magic incantations as we lay on the floor of a yurt. Man, that's some real San Francisco smelling your own farts kind of shit right there. So Transparent was based on Jill Soloway's own life, I guess, in that it dealt with her dealing with her own father coming out as a transgender woman late in life. And she really follows the model of the characters of the three children on the show she left her husband for a woman like the character Sarah Pfefferman. Like Josh Pfefferman, she became a successful entertainment industry player. And like Ali, she would date a celebrated lesbian poet and experiment with non-binder gender. And that was a uh, reading from the article here. I thought it was interesting the way that the author said that Soloway's kind of ignorant about a lot of aspects of trans life from the book. It seems that she thinks of all trans women as being kind of the same as her parent, um, which is not, it's not fair as reductionist as hell, but there's also a description of the lessons that the person who, Jill Soloway consulted with for the show makes a living presenting. One of the lessons is about how the word trans is Latin for bridge. And she writes the word trans brella on the whiteboard and says, not everyone is at one end of the spectrum or the other. People use the word trans to refer to all kinds of people, including drag queens, butch lesbians and genderqueer folks who metaphorically stand on the bridge. Like, I feel like I'm not, any spokesman for this culture but i feel like this is getting a little reductionist it seems a little i guess i want to say pedantic but it's misleading so it's not exactly a good kind of pedantic and the cringeworthy nature of soloway's account of the me too movement which the book uh that's the ending of the book and quote Two years after I'd yelled, topple the patriarchy on stage, it all came tumbling down. Marvel Soloway breathlessly equating the firing of several famous men with the end of a regime as old as history itself. Our author often appears to believe she can take history's pulse by glancing at her own Fitbit. <laughs> yeah, I get the sense that... Uh... Jill Soloway seems to think that it seems like they're trying to rehabilitate the image of Hollywood producers now that they are a Hollywood producer. So the idea with Me Too is that Me Too must be over because 
Jill Soloway is making movies and now you should just you shouldn't run away from Hollywood or from the entertainment industry. You should actually just watch Jill Soloway's movies. It seems a little like weird and self-serving. A lot of her like brand seems kind of weird and self-serving. It seems like I mean their corporate like ethos for their production company topple which was written up in the new york times models its core tenets after amazon's corporate leadership principles uh the fucking the bullet points are ridiculous it's our revolution must be intersectional be chill gather often keep the mama with the baby be brave the process and principles over product i mean it's just I don't know. It's also very in very dystopian font. I mean, the principles are all in caps, and the the logo for Topple is just fucking. It looks like some kind of shit from Blade Runner or Alien in terms of you know massive evil like plutocratic corporation logos. And that's staggering to hear when Soloway writes of her interactions with Tracy Lissette, the trans actress who accused Jeffrey Tambor of sexual harassment on the set of Transparent. And if a mafia analogy seems crude to you, hold that thought. And here's the quote, I, right from the book. I needed to find out why she was going straight to the press with her story to understand why she hadn't come to us. We could handle this, I wanted to tell her, but let us do this internally, inside the family. Uh, end quote, Soloway is never so sulky as in these pages pouting about her legacy and losing any lingering ability to complete sentences. If Tracy released a statement, it would be over for Jeffrey, and that meant Mora, the show, our TV family, everything. In a climactic chapter-ending scene, Soloway parlays with Lisette at a coffee bean picnic table. I can't believe you're doing this, she tells the actress. Well, it happened to me, Lisette coolly replies. What happened next is just insane. I had to tell my story, she said, but I said in my statement that I wanted the show to continue. But the ideas of the show will be tarnished now in everyone's minds. In middle America, when people think of trans people, there's still so much suspicion. And Mora became this beautiful symbol of transness. And now you're laying this imagery out there of her being a predator. Suddenly... I started crying. She was horrified. I'm the victim here and you're crying, she demanded. She was right. I was sitting across from her frozen with fear. I tried to stop myself from crying like Michael and the Godfather. Oh my God. Honestly, this is just all so self-absorbed. It seems like they really think that the most important thing is their reaction to these situations and what they take away from it even to the point that when i guess season four of transparent was filming in israel jill soloway's statements on this are shockingly clueless uh they said i don't have a lot of things in common with jared kushner but low-grade jerusalem syndrome might be one they go on being told that when you film in israel or you you know don't 
follow the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movements kind of guidelines for working with the state of Israel, that it's seen as a break with, I guess, the Palestinian-led movement, which does have a lot of queer activists involved with it. And Soloway acted like this was some sort of persecution of them personally. Uh, they said, ugh, I was so annoyed. How did I get stuck in this very narrow place of being forced to choose? Like, oh, sure. Oh, poor Jill. Yeah, you're the victim here. Not like, I guess, I know a Palestinian movement that's like begging people to end this like decades long, just fucking like human rights atrocity. Oh, uh, this book, of course, wouldn't be complete without a bad take on the 2016 election. We thought we had power, but no, actually, we were this thing, this other thing called women, and we could be silenced, disregarded with a vote. And then, uh, end quote, never mind that for every nine women who voted for Clinton, there were seven who voted for Trump. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to shit on Jill Soloway endlessly. I mean, they get it endlessly from, I guess, just, I feel like they're one of these people that is constantly kind of giving apologies a la Lena Dunham for being problematic about bizarre things. And it seems like they kind of have this, I don't know, they're, into the sort of self-flagellation that comes with like the apology cycle in this kind of bizarre way. And of course, Jill Soloway is now dating Nanette's own Hannah Gadsby. Hell yeah. And Sam and I read a quote that said something to the effect of, <laughs> it's great to know you can have a partner where you can talk about consent before breakfast or oh. something. They're just constantly checking their privilege at like every fucking juncture in the conversation. I yeah, I mean, also like not to be misrepresented, like n- none of this is to shit on the on queer activists or the trans movement or trans liberation or like non-binary people. Where this is not our intent. Our intent is to like highlight how these two people that we've mentioned on this show before kind of have. It's sort of like the pod Save America boys like kind of like hijacked this, I guess, a movement and tied it to their own personal brand for media consumption, which is ultimately heinous and I think should be called out, even if it were two, you know, cis hetero white boys calling it out. 